0: We've been studying through uh, Timothy, we've done 1 Timothy, we've come as far as 2 Timothy. Uh, we kind of got out of order, remember about three weeks ago, I taught 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 1 through 9, completely forgetting that I hadn't taught 2 Timothy chapter 2 verses 14 through 26, so we, we kind of went back and taught uh, what I skipped over, and I didn't do it on purpose, I, I really, I, I, I only thing I could come up with is that God, there was somebody here that day that needed to hear uh, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 9 or vice versa. Somebody here the next week needed to hear what, however it worked. God just had it all planned out that way but it was kind of cool that some of you, many of you come up to me afterwards and say, hey, you know you skipped some verses and I like that because sometimes when I teach and sometimes when you're studying the word of God I come across some verses I'd like to skip. There's, there's some stuff in here that's kind of hard to teach, you know. It's stuff that maybe I won't be as popular for saying or things like that, but, but I'm fully committed to teaching the whole counsel of God and every part of the Word of God, even if it's a little difficult, even if it's uncomfortable, even if it'll cause somebody to leave the church for whatever reason, I'm focused on teaching God's Word. I'll let God worry about that part of it. So thank you for those that brought it up to my attention that I missed a few verses. So we covered 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 9 about three weeks ago. If you missed it, you can go get it on the website. It's on the, on the internet there under calvarycumberland.org. And this morning we're going to be looking at verses 10 through 15. So just by way of overview, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 9, if you remember, Paul told Timothy, he was telling Timothy what the character of man would be like during the last days. He was reminding Timothy what, how men would be acting, men and women in, in that sense. Then in verses 10 through 15, Paul's going to commend Timothy. He's going to basically tell Timothy, you've been doing a good job, and he's going to list a number of things. And then the last two verses in the chapter, verses 16 and 17, which we're going to cover next week, I want them to stand alone. They are very, very important in our understanding to the Word of God. So we'll cover those last two verses, 16 and 17. He's going to remind Timothy in those verses the purpose and the value of the Scriptures, and we'll we'll cover those two next week. So in the, in the first 9 verses Paul tells us what men are going to be like during the last days. Remember what he said? Before you can follow along in verse 2 by the way of context, he said they'll be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, thankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And from such people turn away. That sounds like an awful lot like our culture today, doesn't it? We went over those things in depth and he went on to tell Timothy, said, Timothy, there's going to be false teachers. There's going to be these false teachers, false religious teachers, false Bible teachers, false teachers. They're going to take advantage of the women. They're going to always be learning, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. Their focus is going to be getting more and more. Now, I want to be smarter and smarter, but never really coming to an understanding of the truth, never really coming to the deeper truths of God's word, being able to, you know, they're, they're actually going to resist the truth. And he's going to say that they're, 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 going to be, they're going to be foolish. He says, but there's going to come a point where they're going to progress no further and their foolishness will be made known to all mankind. Their foolishness will be made known to all mankind. Then in verse 10 this morning was where we're going to pick up. He says this, He says, but you, speaking to Timothy, the Apostle Paul writing to his young protege Timothy, he says, but you have carefully followed my doctrine, my manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Timothy Some people have failed, Paul says. Some people have been led astray. But you, Timothy, you've drawn a line in the sand. You've carefully followed these things. You've remained faithful. And Paul's making a clear contrast between two different kinds of people. Those that have remained faithful to the things of God and those that haven't. And he's encouraging or he's complimenting Timothy. He says that you've carefully followed. And I have to pause there just for a moment because I want you to understand something. There's a difference between following something and learning something. You can know something and not be living something. I'm concerned that in Christianity today, there's sometimes people learn what the Bible says, but they don't live what the Bible says. When Paul's complimenting Timothy, he's saying, you have followed it. He didn't just say, you learned what I said, you listened to what I said, you've absorbed what I said. He said, no, you have lived it, you have followed it. Do you see the difference? You see, I can sit in church for a long time, and I can learn a lot of things about God. But if I never begin to follow what the Word says, there's never going to be any change in me. It's when I take the step to implement what God's Word says in my life, that's where the change happens. That's the thing that differentiates me between those that are just pretending to be Christians or just in a church because they want to be, a, because it becomes a social gathering, and somebody who says, you know what, I want to know what God's Word says. I really want to live that in my life. That wants to be the focus of my life. So there's a difference between following and just simply learning something. We as Christians need to be people who learn the word of God but we also need to take it a step further and follow the word of God. It doesn't just go in one ear and out the other. It's not just something I concern myself with on Sunday morning or on Thursday night or Wednesday night, wherever you go. It's not something I just consider only, well, I'm good, I went to church on Sunday from 10 to 11.30, so I'm fine there. No, it's something that we need to be concerned with constantly. Paul's commending Timothy for being different from the rest of the world because he's followed these things, not just known them or not just learned them. And he lists nine things there. He lists nine things that Timothy has done right. And the first thing he says to Timothy, You've carefully followed my doctrine. You've carefully followed my teaching. That's the word, the, doc, the word doctrine, it means teaching, it means instruction. You've carefully followed the things that I've taught you, Timothy. It's interesting that teaching leads the way in this list, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Paul says to Timothy, you've, car- you've, you've listened, you've heard it, and you've lived it. You've heard these things, and because of this, is, everything else is going to come in line, Timothy. Now remember, They didn't have the New Testament back then. They had the Old Testament. I'm sure letters were being circulated. They didn't have the scriptures complete like we do today. He said, you've carefully followed my teaching. Now, here's what I know. As I stand up here week after week, month after month, year after year, and teach through the Bible, as you guys sit out there, it's going to do one one of three things are going to happen in your life. Either you're going to come in here and go, you know, I don't really like the way you're teaching the Bible. And you're going to go find another Bible teaching church, and you're going to go there, which is fine. Or you might sit there and go, you know, I don't really want to hear any more of this. I don't really want to hear. I don't, I, don't, I don't like it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear. I don't want to be told by the scriptures what, how I need to change. I don't, I'm, I'm leaving church and I'm not coming back. Or I'm going to go find a church that doesn't teach me the Bible. Maybe I'm just going to go find a church that makes me feel better about myself. That's another possibility. Or the third possibility is you sit here, you sit under a church, and not just this one, there's other churches that are doing it. We're not, we, don't, we haven't cornered the market on Bible teaching, but you sit here and you learn the scripture and you allow the scriptures to penetrate your heart and change your life. You see, that's what happens. Sometimes people come to church for a week or two and we don't see them again because they're off. Sometimes people are just visiting and other times people will sit quietly and not say anything for a long time. That was me. When I first started going to church, I kind of snuck in the back. I didn't say a whole lot. I just kind of wanted to listen. But as I listened, I was challenged. As I was challenged, I took the steps necessary to change. And I allowed the Lord, the Word of God is what the very vehicle that God used to change me. You see, I was forced with decisions. Am I going to follow it, the doctrine that I'm being taught, or am I going to just disregard it? You know, if you're willing to follow it, you will find that God will change your life. Little by little... Piece by piece, moment by moment, challenge by challenge. He's not going to lay it all out there at once, but he will change it. Now, notice the second thing he says. He says, Timothy, you've carefully followed my manner of life. In other words, Timothy knew how Paul lived his life. Timothy copied it. This is important, men and women. It's been well said that you have to have or you should have a Paul, a Timothy, and a Barnabas in your life. You should have a Paul in your life who's ahead of you, more mature spiritually, that you are learning from. You should have a Timothy in your life, somebody you are teaching or you are taking what you've learned and you've poured into it. You should also have a Barnabas in your life who is somebody that is kind of equal with you. You're kind of on the same level. You're walking through your Christianity. You're walking through your life together. It's been well said by that. We need as Christians to have those. If you're missing any one of those, think of the consequences. If I have no Paul in my life, who's teaching me? Am I learning by myself? If I have no Timothy in my life, what am I doing with what I'm learning? I'm just storing it all up inside. It's not being used. If I have no Barnabas in my life, I'm missing the fellowship. I'm missing that, that, that camaraderie. I'm missing that love to be able to walk the Christian life together. It's important that we have all three. You see, you have carefully followed my manner of life it means Timothy's recognized Paul's living what he's teaching. Paul's, you, Timothy, you know me. And the third thing he says, you've carefully followed my purpose. Timothy, you know that I have a purpose. You know there's a purpose in my life. Paul's life had a purpose. Paul's life wasn't without direction. He didn't wander out going, oh, what do I do? What am I going to do today? He was very focused on advancing the gospel. His purpose was given to him the day that he was saved on the road to Damascus. He was told he was going to take the gospel to the Gentiles. And his whole life from that point on was focused around preparing and then carrying that gospel to the Gentiles. Our lives should have a purpose too. What's the purpose for your life? What is it that you are trying to accomplish? What is the overwhelming, uh, what, what is the, what's the mission statement for your family? Have you guys sat down? Maybe you don't have kids. Maybe it's just a husband and wife. Maybe you're single. Whatever it is, what is the focus? What is it that you say, this is from, the time I'm, from this day forward to the time I die, this is what my purpose is? You see, we need to have that. Because without that, you know what happens? You get bounced all over the place. You get bounced here and there. The focus statement for our church is to make disciples. That's the overwhelming, that's the focus. We want to make disciples in Christ. We want to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That's our focus. Anything we do has to fall in line with that focus. If not, we've gotten away from our mission. Your life works the same way. What is the focus in your life? Are the things you're doing, are they advancing that mission? Or are they just kind of taking up time? are they just kind of wasting time or are they stealing time from that mission you see Paul was very focused Timothy had become very focused because of Paul we too must learn to be focused and figure out what's the purpose for your life what is your purpose God can God will work that out with you I can't tell you why you were created I wish I could I wish God would give me a list and I could say all right this is why you're you're doing children's ministry you're take, you're cleaning the church you're doing mean, I wish if I could do that that'd be great I'd get a lot of stuff done around here but I can't do that. You see, that's where the personal relationship part comes in. That's where you have to go to God and say, God, why did you create me? What is, my, what, is my, what is your purpose for my life? Now, notice he says, number four, he says, you have followed my faith. Paul had a strong faith. He had a unique faith. Timothy, you followed it. It was a special faith. Not everyone has the same kind of faith that Paul has. Not, not everyone could do what the apostle Paul was called to do. Many people, I'd love to be the apostle Paul. I wouldn't. There's no way I'd want to be the Apostle Paul. Prisoned, stoned, you know, not, not me. I like being right here in Cumberland, Maryland. I don't need to travel around the world and, you know, having people throw rocks at me and locked up in prison a number of times and eventually having my head cut off. I'm good here. United States, freedom, Cumberland. Now, if the Lord called, I would go, but I like, I, he had more faith. Now, when it comes to faith, know this, that you will have all the faith that you need for what God has called you to do. When God calls you to do something, if God was to call you to go to be a missionary, or God was to call you, He will give you all the faith that you need. You're not going to be left without, "Uh uh-oh, my faith tank is empty. Doesn't work that way. You will have all the faith that you need. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, doesn't it? That's why we study the way that we do. He says, You've also you've followed or you've copied my long suffering. Long suffering, that's not something we like to hear, is it? I don't like long suffering. I don't even like short suffering. I don't want any suffering as a matter of fact. Long suffering, that word means this, it's a state of emotional calm in the face of provocation or misfortune without complaint or irritation. Let me say it to you again. It's a state of an emotional calm in the face of provocation or misfortune without complaining or becoming irritated. It's not just enduring something, it's enduring something with the right heart. Now I gotta confess, I think of traffic. Now, we don't have much traffic here in Cumberland, but I can remember when I lived in South Florida, there was a lot more traffic down there. And I sometimes thought that because I was in traffic, that was long-suffering. You know, getting, taking an hour to get to work in traffic and sitting there going slow, I'm, I'm, I'm long-suffering. But then I realized that the definition included without complaint or without irritation. <laughs> so there's a difference between long-suffering and enduring something, okay? Long-suffering means I'm not complaining about it, I'm not becoming irritated about, irritated about it. I'm just moving through it. I'm just pushing through. I know that God's doing something in it. I just continue on the track. I just continue on the pace. That's what long-suffering is. By the way, we're told the Lord is long-suffering, too, aren't we? He's not complaining about you. He's not irritated at you. Don't you have a Don't you think sometimes, if, if, if you were God and you were doing the things that you were doing, He would become irritated with you. You know It's not the way it works. He's long-suffering. He he loves us. He wants to see us change, but he loves us. And he also says to Timothy number six, you followed my love. That word is agape, unconditional love, a self-sacrificing love, a love that does for others without expecting anything in return, a love that you're willing to just go to the end. It's a love that you're willing to sacrifice yourself. He says, you followed my persecutions. Persecution means to organize a program that is designed to harass or oppose someone. You say, wait a minute, I don't like this long suffering. I don't like this persecution. And the ninth one is afflictions. You followed my afflictions, my pain, my suffering. In other words, Paul's telling Timothy, Timothy, you've been with me through all this. You've seen the way that I've endured. You've seen the way that I've handled my enemies. You've seen the way that I've been persecuted. You've seen these things. And Paul is speaking these specific things to Timothy. He even mentions three different times. Look at verse 11, the end of verse 11. He said, which happened to me at Antioch. At Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. What happened at these places? Well, if you want to read the whole story, it's in Acts chapter 13 and Acts chapter 14. Antioch is where Paul was kicked out of the city for preaching the gospel. There were some Jews there that came. They didn't like Paul preaching the gospel. They kicked him out of the city, so Paul left, and he went to Iconium. The same Jews that were in Antioch followed him to Iconium, and then he tried to stone him in Iconium. So he left Iconium, he went to Lystra. At Lystra, the same group followed him to Lystra, and you know what they did? They did stone him. They left him for dead. They drug him outside the city and they left him for dead there. So Paul says, listen, Timothy, you were, and and there's some indication that Timothy may have been with him at one of these places or a couple of these places. You were with me. You've seen me endure these things. You've seen me go through these things. And then he says this, the last part of verse 11. Out of them all, the Lord delivered me. The Lord delivered me out of all of it. All of the things that God has called Paul to do, all of the trial, all of the tribulation, all of the persecution, all of of it, God has delivered him out of it all. It's ironic that as he writes this letter, he's sitting right smack in the middle of another persecution, right? Where's he writing from? He's writing from prison. He's writing from a Roman prison, possibly weeks or months away from his very own death, and he still has the faith that says, God, if you want to deliver me, I know you can. If you don't, that's okay, too. I will continue my purpose. I will continue my mission of advancing the gospel as I write this letter to my young friend Timothy, who's still on the outside. I'm willing to do whatever needs to be done, including go to death. And I'm willing to look and say, Lord, if you want to deliver me, I know that you can. But if you don't, that's okay. What an incredible heart that he has. He seemed to be at complete peace as he writes this letter. He's leaving things in the Lord's hands. He's, when we get to the chapter 4, we're going to see that he doesn't expect to get out this time. He almost, it's almost as if he knows. He's going to tell us that he's, that he's being, already being poured out as a drink offering. He know, it's almost as if he knows, I'm not getting out. But as he writes this final letter, he's just simply encouraging Timothy. Timothy, you've done a great job at following me in these things. And you've seen all the persecution. And just know this, the Lord will deliver you out of every single one of them. I like the fact that Paul went back and reminded Timothy of these things because what I've found in my life, and maybe you're the same way, sometimes I need to go back and remember what God has done for me. Sometimes we forget, don't we? We forget what it was like before we were saved. We forget what it was like. We forget about our answered prayers, don't we? We pray for something that gets answered. We move on to the next thing. We, we, We constantly forget. And Paul, as he goes back and he tells Timothy these things, he says, I remember Timothy, you're doing these things great. You're doing them great. Do you need to be reminded of what God's done in your life? Make sure you take time to do that. If you don't write it down, if you don't journal it, if you don't put it somewhere, if you don't mark the milestones, you're going to forget them. Because you'll always be moving on to the next thing. When you need to be reminded is when you're in the midst of a difficult situation. Okay? That's when when times are tough, when decisions are being made, things are hard. That's when you need to be reminded of, hey, God's with me all the time. God's with me, and I need to be reminded the Lord can deliver you. You know, this morning, whatever you came in here carrying, whatever burden it was, whatever the thing, the Lord can deliver you from it. No, Rob, you don't understand what, no, you don't understand. No, I do understand. God is much greater than anything you could possibly have happening on this earth. No, but you don't understand my childhood. You don't understand all this. No, God can deliver you from it. That's that's the gospel. That's the good news. You can be set free. You don't understand my sin. You don't understand my guilt, what I've done. No, you can be delivered from that. God, he's out of them all, the Lord will deliver me. Do you believe the Lord can deliver you out of a current bad situation? I hope you do, because the worst place for a Christian to be is not really believing in the power of God and just meandering through life, never really grabbing hold of what God has really done, never really realizing that you have been delivered from your sin, never really realizing that you can be delivered from your guilt, never really realizing that you can be delivered from the lifestyle that you live, never really realizing that I can have a new life in Christ. That's a terrible place to walk in with the Lord. It's just forever meandering guilt. But then he says, verse 12, and I would like to skip this verse, and you will too in a minute. He says this, Yet all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Underline it. All, Greek word, all, means the same thing, all, everybody, who desires to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Guaranteed. This isn't the promise of God that you're going to put on your window, is it? (laughs) This isn't the promise of God that's going to be hanging on the speedometer in your car or someplace like that. No, you will suffer persecution. I did a little bit of digging, and what I found out is that word for persecution is not the same word that we read earlier for persecution. This word for persecution, what it means, it means to be hunted like a wild animal. That's where it comes from. As a believer, at some point, you will suffer persecution. As I kind of played with that, to be hunted like a wild animal, I thought, well, what does that mean? It means you'll be tracked. It means people will hang on every word that you say. They'll question what you're doing. They'll try to kill you. They'll try to shoot you. They'll try to, everything you're doing, people are going to be watching you. Do you experience some of those things? You see, what, sometimes we think persecution is just you know, be, being put in jail for my faith, and certainly that is persecution. But I think that sometimes we're going to have to suffer persecution in our marriages. Maybe you have an unbelieving spouse and you're going to have to suffer some persecution from an unbelieving spouse. Maybe you're going to suffer some persecution in your job, in your place that you're working. Maybe there's going to be somebody there who's giving you a hard time or harassing you. Maybe it's it's in your own family. Maybe it's family members who are giving you a hard time and they're persecuting you. They're hanging on every word that you're saying. They're they're always finding something you do wrong. That's what they do, right? I'm a Christian. Well, you did this wrong. Oh, you did that wrong. Isn't it easy to find something that you do wrong? Isn't it, it? Have you noticed how easy it is to find something somebody else is doing wrong? I'm going to tell you a funny story. Yesterday, I was driving down the road, and I saw another local pastor who's a friend of mine. And I waved to him, and he's on the cell phone. He's talking. He's on. He's, he's talking on the phone. He waved. I waved back, and I thought, "Look at the pastor on the cell phone." And then I thought, "Well, I do that sometimes." And then I looked down, and I was speeding. <laughs> I looked down at my speedometer, and I thought. How is it that I so easily will point something... At, and I didn't say anything to him. But in my heart, I'm like, the Lord's dealing with me on that. Why are you so focused on what he's doing when you are, you do the same thing? And on top of that, you're in the middle of speeding right now. Take your foot off the gas. But that's how we are, isn't it? It's easy for us to find something wrong in somebody else's life. It's easy to point that finger and say, well, you're not doing this right. But, oh, if we would just focus on our own life and understand that, yes... If we desire to live godly, we will suffer persecution. Right now, in the United States of America, we have the freedom to worship and to gather and pray. Will that continue? I sure hope so, because I really enjoy it. I really do. Will it continue? I don't have the answer to that. But look what Paul says was going to happen. He says, evil men, verse 13, but evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of knowing from whom you have learned them and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures which you are which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in christ jesus paul says timothy there's going to be some evil men there's going to be some imposters Evil men are easy. We know who they are. They're evil. They're acting evil. You, they're doing ungodly things. The imposters are the ones that you have to be careful of. The word there is, means magician. It means uh, uh, an actor, somebody who's pretending. It's pretending. They, there's going to be evil men, imposters. They're, growing, they're going to grow worse and worse. It means it's going to continually get worse and worse. And then here's the next part. They're deceived and they're being deceived. So they're deceiving people, but they themselves are being deceived. Understand that an imposter may not understand that he's an imposter. Someone who's leading people astray may not see it as leading people astray. They may be doing it in, they may be, well, his heart is right. Maybe he's doing what he thinks is right. Just because somebody's doing something they think is right doesn't make it right. Some of our, the Mormons have it wrong. They have the right heart. They're, they think they're doing it right, but it's not. The Jehovah Witnesses, same thing. They think they're doing it right. They think they're, you know, pleasing God, but they've got it wrong. So how do we correct from that? How do we, how do we protect ourselves about being deceived about about who, how an imposter is? How do we do that? We know the word of God. We understand what the word of God says. We study the word of God. We're able to take, listen, when I teach, don't just take what I'm saying to be truth. Go search it out for yourself. If you find something different, come tell me. I'll talk with you about it. And if I'm wrong and you can show me that I'm wrong in the word of God, I'll change what I believe because it's more, I'm more focused on being in truth in the word of God than I am about being right. I'd much rather say, you know what, I misunderstood that. The point you made is fantastic. I'd lo- I, I, I'm right, you're right, and I, I was wrong. Don't bring me somebody's book about it. I don't care what so-and-so wrote about it. Show me here in the scriptures only. That's where, I, that's where, that's where our foundation needs to lie. He says evil men, imposters, they're gonna grow worse and worse. They're gonna be deceiving and they're being deceived. Kind of reminds me of Christian television sometimes. You ever watch that stuff? Not that there's not good shows on Christian television, but some of it is deception. Some of it is pure, outright deceiving people for money, and they're taking money from people who don't have money. If you've never watched it, I would encourage you to turn it on sometime and watch some of these shows. Open your Bible along with it, if they even get to the Bible, and begin listening to what they're saying and say, does what they're saying line up with Scripture? Is it true? Does that what did, did, they, did they rightly expose the meaning of that verse, or is it something just to benefit them in some way. Be careful. Be like the Bereans. Search the scriptures. And then he tells Timothy, you must continue, Timothy. You must continue. Part of life is continuing. You must continue. Maybe you're here this morning and you need to hear that. You need to continue. Timothy, I want you to continue. What am I going to continue in, Rob, in the scriptures and the things that you've learned, you've been assured of, knowing from whom you learned them? This is a personal letter from Paul to Timothy. So Paul is telling Timothy, Timothy, I know times are tough. I know it's hard. But you've got to continue in the things that I've taught you. And you've got to continue in the scriptures that your grandmother Eunice and your mother Lois have taught you from the time you were a little child. You have to continue. Don't throw in the towel now, Timothy. You must continue. And you can see why Timothy would like to throw in the towel, right? I mean, after all, his, his mentor, his protege, is in prison. And they're coming after him. Just a few short years later, Timothy himself would be martyred for the faith. So you can see why Timothy goes, yeah, I don't know if it's all worth it or not. Paul says, Timothy, it's worth it. Continue. You must continue. And he tells him, "And and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation. You don't get saved by knowing the Scriptures. They're able to make you wise for salvation, but where does salvation come from? Through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Salvation comes through faith in Jesus Christ and no place else. You can study this Bible. You can be a Bible scholar. You can learn it, memorize it, know every word in it. If you don't have faith, you don't have salvation. It's only by the blood of Jesus. It's only by my my belief in that. And then he goes on, and I want to read these next two verses. We're not going to talk about them today, but I want to read them because I just think they're great. He goes on and he says this. All scripture, Timothy, is given by inspiration of God, is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work.